The North Carolina men and women both play in the Sweet 16 on Friday night and in back-to-back -back time slots. Tough matchups, but huge opportunities for both programs trying to take the next step forward on the biggest national stage. What's it going to take for both to move on to the Elite Eight? I've got my Four Corners game preview for both teams coming up. Plus, I've got a Friday frustration, and surprise, surprise, it's with the NCAA and how they handle referees. But good news, I've got a solution, and I'm going to share it with you. All of that coming up on today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Friday, March 25th, 2022. Welcome in to the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. I'm Isaac Shade, your host, a Sports Illustrated beat writer for North Carolina, and I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen every single day. And if you're watching on YouTube, making it your first watch every day. I want to remind you that we are free and available everywhere that you get podcasts. So go subscribe today. It's quick and easy and would mean a lot to me and to the whole show. Speaking of which, I really hope you've enjoyed the interviews we've had the past two days. On Wednesday's show, we had Carla Black, who is Leaky Black's mom, on to talk with us about all sorts of great stuff. On yesterday's show, we had Jesse Hawley, who was a 2005 national champion on Roy Williams' second ever team and first national championship team. He now does a lot of work for the Dallas Cowboys, whom he played for after his time at Carolina, hosting pre and post game, as well as podcasts. If you missed either or both of those, I'd really encourage you to stop right now, go back and listen or watch them on, on your podcast platform or on YouTube. Great information and is going to help get you ready for this weekend's Sweet 16 games, both from the parental standpoint and the player standpoint. Really goes hand in hand really well and leads into our conversation today. And uh, man, we're going to get into both of those games, as I said, the men and the women. Let's start with the nightcap with the men. Eight seed North Carolina against fourth seed UCLA. Going to tip off at approximately 9.40 Eastern time. Let's be honest, it's going to be 10 o'clock. And uh, that's great for the Pacific Coast, all the UCLA folks who don't even care about the game because they're watching the Lakers. But, you know, I digress. The game will be inside the Wells Fargo Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It's where the 76ers play. It's going to be right on CBS, the flagship network. They got two Blue Blood programs. Of course they want this game on CBS. For North Carolina, it is their second straight opponent who was in last season's Final Four. And uh, UCLA returns basically everyone they had on that team with a few um, exceptions. For my money's worth, the Bruins are underseeded, uh, not really a four seed in terms of talent. Their resume probably lands them on the four line, but with what this team is, probably a two or a three. So tough opponent for the Tar Heels for sure. And so here's what we want to do. If you're if you're new with us and you weren't around last week as we led into the games or before that, what we do for every game is I give an homage to Coach Dean Smith and all the game previews are my four corners preview. And so that's what we're going to do right now to set up this game. So let's go up here for the first one. Four corner number one, the first preview piece is guard play. 
If you've ever spent any time in March paying attention to March Madness, you know how important not just solid, but elite level guard play is in March Madness. For the Tar Heels, you think about the three most recent guards that were the lead guards for these national championship teams. Go back to 2005, you had Raymond Felton. 2009, Ty Lawson. 2017, you had a little guy like a tough little nut in Joel Berry too. And uh, before him, it should have been Marcus Page, but Chris Jenkins ripped all our hearts out. But that's okay. Elite guard play is what you need in March. At least one. But you know what North Carolina has? They have two. Now, not both Caleb Love and RJ Davis are elite at the same time on any given night. But you can just about bet that at least one of the two of them is going to be an elite scorer on any given night. And that the one who is not scoring is probably going to do a good job of dishing out assists. Think about the Marquette game last Thursday. Caleb Love is the one that's scoring, right? Start off very hot from three, reining it in. Meanwhile, homeboy RJ Davis is dishing out a career-high 12 assists and just one turnover. Then, against Baylor on Saturday, Caleb Love is struggling to shoot the ball, but RJ Davis drops 30 points. So, between these two elite guards... Uh, you have to hope that you have a lot of success there. Plus, don't forget that Leaky Black has been pushed into point guard duty multiple times earlier in his Carolina career. So you've got these three solid ball handlers that can really help you out, and that is going to be a huge plus. Already has been and will continue to be for as long as the Tar Heels are in the tournament. And this is going to be very important against UCLA. Why? Because UCLA does not turn the ball over. They are fifth in the nation in turnover percentage in terms of how few possessions they turn over the basketball. What does that mean for Carolina? It means that they have to value the basketball because possessions, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, more possessions equals more shots equals more points. Hashtag deep analysis from Isaac Shade on a Friday morning. Yeah, but very, very seriously, Carolina has to value the ball, hang on to it against Baylor, 21 turnovers. Now, that was a, an outlier, certainly, right? And before that, the Tar Heels have been doing a very good job taking care of the ball lately. And so they need to uh, return to their pre-Baylor days in terms of what they're doing with the ball. Um, in terms of R.J. Davis himself, he is coming off this huge weekend. I've already alluded to his career-high 12 assists, career-high 30 points, but that is what Carolina will need him to replicate. Oh, and by the way, even in that 30-point game, still had six helpers, so 18 total assists on the weekend for R.J. Davis. One of the things we'll be watching with Caleb Love when we think about elite guard play is, is he going to be pushing or rushing himself coming off of a game where he fouled out? Like, where, where is his mindset going to be? Is he going to try to do too much, which he is sometimes prone to do? We'll have to wait and see on that. Now, four corners, point number two, is going to be the availability of Jaime Jaquez. Now, Jaquez has been phenomenal for this season. If, if you paid attention to last year's March Madness, you probably think Johnny Juzang, and he's had another great year for UCLA. But really, Jaquez has been the story a lot of the season. He tweaked his ankle in UCLA's uh, second round game and so the, against St. Mary's. And so the question is, is he going to be able to play? Well, 
at Thursday's shoot-around, it looked like he was um, out there able to be mobile, certainly favoring his ankle, but I would imagine he's going to give it a go. And so um, the question then becomes, at what level of capability is he at? It's not going to be 100%. I can guarantee you that. Just seeing the way he moved around on the court on Thursday, um, the, the question is not whether he will play. It is how effective will he be when he does play. Now, let's get off of that and talk about Leaky Black because typically the question with Leaky Black is who is he going to be guarding? And we've seen a couple teams this season where Coach Davis has wished he could divide Leaky in half to guard A.J. Griffin and Paolo Banquero from Duke, for example. And that would be true here with Jaquez and Johnny Juzang. My imagination is that what's going to happen is given Jaquez's limited mobility, they're going to sick Leaky onto Johnny Juzang and say, don't let Juzang get off. And because of Jaquez's limited capability, let's put a lesser defender on him. And that's not uh, an affront to any of the other four Carolina players on the court. It's just Leaky. It's praise of Leaky is all that is. So who does Leaky guard? My guess is Johnny Juzang, given the likely likelihood that Jaquez will be slowed down. And so honestly, for me, I would rather Jaquez be at about 70% and give it a go because then that's like four and a half players on the court and gives Carolina an awesome advantage. Four corners, number three. How does Brady Manick respond to his ejection? Similar to Caleb Love, I would imagine there's this desire to get out and prove yourself. Um, he had felt some level of I let my guys down. I'm not out there. And so now I got to make up for that. And you can see, like, if, you, if you've ever been an athlete, you know what that is to, to really want to get back out and prove what you can do. And so there might be a tendency to push as he returns. But I think the best thing that I could hope to see out of Brady Manic is just to be Brady Manic. He has been on fire. And so there's nothing extra or different he needs to do. He just needs to come out and do what he does. You want to see him get going early. Uh, that is always a good sign with Brady Manic against Virginia Tech in the ACC semifinals. Couldn't get a shot to fall early and just never could get it going. But um, in these other games, uh, in the NCAA tournament and the games before that in the ACC tournament and against Duke, found his shot early and had it going. That's what we need from Brady Manick. Also, because UCLA essentially is going to have a four around one, like they've got a 6'9 guy going up against Baycott, and then it's pretty much in that middle, like leaky black size. And so Manic should have a size advantage on offense. The question is, will he be exploited on defense? My fourth of the four corners of what I'm looking for in this game is Carolina's consistency. We know that it has been an up and down season. And the Tar Heels have struggled to build on their, um, when they've had success, they've struggled to build on it. Not so down the stretch. Other than the Virginia Tech game, which I'm chalking up, I, I said after that game, I chalked that up more to Virginia Tech and their desperation to make the NCAA tournament than to anything Carolina did poorly having played uh, just the day before, having the Iron Five and not much depth. It's just a no-win scenario. But when you look at the last five games, it's Duke, it's Virginia in the ACC tournament, that Virginia Tech game, and then Marquette, and then Baylor. They blitzed lots of those games. They didn't blitz Duke until later, but once they beat them, it was like, yeah, that's happening. 
keep in mind what happened last weekend. Carolina had double-digit leads against Marquette and Baylor less than 10 minutes into the game. Against Marquette, it took just 8 minutes and 8 seconds double-digit lead. Against Baylor, just 7 minutes and 18 seconds double-digit lead. Can Carolina recapture that same magic this weekend in Philadelphia against UCLA? Another part of that consistency conversation is are they going to be tough? Are they going to fight? Not like fist fight, but can they get in there and be dudes? Can they get in there and be dogs? Take on that personality of Coach Hubert Davis like we talked about earlier in this week. From what I've seen the last couple games, absolutely. That side of the consistency, I'm not worried about. I'm not worried about Carolina coming out and fighting, and I think that's ultimately what is going to help them in this game. You know you're going to get that consistency that we're talking about in this fourth of the four corners from Baycott, right? His 16 and 15 game against or 15 and 16 game against Baylor was like an afterthought because it's so consistent. So I'm looking for Baycott to do what he does, get his double double, which is awesome because it's going to tie him with Oscar Shibway for the uh, Division One lead. And Oscar Shibway sitting at home not playing anymore, so he doesn't get, have a chance to raise his total. And the other question of consistency I have is. Will Dontre Styles continue to build on the great uh, best performance of his career so far that he had against Baylor? A lot of that obviously was attributed to Manic's ejection and Love's disqualification, but uh, he has proven his athletic capability to, to go in and up against at other athletic teams. And that's what UCLA is going to bring to the table with this essentially four guard lineup. And so Styles, I think, will be a pivotal factor in this game. And uh, so, so we'll be on the lookout for that. So ultimately, the Tar Heels are playing with house money. Uh, UCLA is going to be an incredibly tough opponent, tough to defeat, but Carolina also has an East Coast advantage, right? They're still in the East Coast time zone had to go up to Philadelphia. UCLA, meanwhile, is flying across the country to be in Philly, and so that factor will play in. Tar Heels is going to go out and have fun and do what they do. I know that sounds like maybe childish, but you just go out and enjoy yourselves. Who knows what can happen in this game? Believe it or not, the Tar Heels are 10-3 and all-time against mighty UCLA, and I know the Bruins haven't been as great lately, but think about all of the years of all those national championships and everything under Coach Wooden, and the Tar Heels are 10-3 and three against them. They've won the last five in a row and nine of the last ten. I think they need to go out and make it six in a row against the Bruins. Let's do that. Bet Online has uh, UCLA favored by two. I'm going to go ahead and take the heels to cover because you know what? I'm also taking the heels straight up to win outright this game. The over-under is 141.5. Both these teams average in the mid-70s, so I'm going to take the over on that side of it. Well, that's what the men's team has in front of them. What about the women who are going to play the first game of this Tar Heel doubleheader on Friday night? How can the upstart women's team upset the number one team in the entire nation? It starts on the defensive end, and we're going to talk about Coach Banghart's defensive winning strategy coming up in just a moment. But first, let me tell you about Built Bar. Built Bars are a great candy bar replacement option covered in 100% real chocolate. Some of the great flavors include mint brownie, coconut, and new for this month is white chocolate shamrock. They're all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. 
They make it taste delicious first, then they figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they pull it off all the time. <laughs> a typical candy bar is gonna have anywhere between two to 300 calories, but Built Bar reigns it in to just about 130, plus just four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. That's awesome, and that's the kind of thing I wanna be eating. So, go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you're gonna get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Hey, thanks again for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen every single day. And if you're watching on YouTube again, welcome. So glad you are here. The audience on YouTube is growing incredibly rapidly. Thank you for tuning in. Go grab a friend, bring them along. Let's just continue to build this community. Subscribe, hit that button. All right, the women's team, the women's preview. They are the fifth seed tipping off against the number one overall seed, South Carolina Gamecocks. They've been number one all season long best team in the country. That game tips at 7 p.m. Eastern time inside the Greensboro Coliseum, which has been a great place of refuge for the Tar Heels through the decades. So right there in Greensboro, North Carolina, coming on on ESPN. So just like the men, the young women's team is basically playing with house money at this point. The number one overall seed, the Gamecocks, they've been number one all year long in the polls. So just go out, have fun. Play your brand of basketball and good things can happen. All, all season long, it's looked like this women's team and to hear them talk about it, it sounds like it directly from their mouths, really legitimately, genuinely enjoy one another. And that shows up on the court and that matters when you have to be a unit. So the four corners preview for the women. We're gonna skate through this one a little bit faster than the men. But first off, I think Carly Littlefield is going to be a key to this game. That's the first of the four corners. Why? Because the rest of the starters are sophomores, which is phenomenal news for the future of the program. But in Littlefield, you have someone with all this experience who's been around the block, who's played with Coach Banghart for years, even before Chapel Hill, and just knows what needs to happen at the highest level when things are on the line. It's her last year. She's going to want to be in and going. You know, we know Deja Kelly, Kennedy, Todd Williams, Alyssa Utspeed, they're going to get theirs. I think it's going to be uh, in, imperative that Littlefield has a great game and holds this team together given all her veteran leadership. Part two, <laughs> no secret here, defense. If you watched Carolina's game against Arizona, holy smokes, this team is locked in with one another defensively. And it's going to take another of that type of effort to knock off the number one team in the land. And no secret either in what you got to do to shut down the number one team in the land. You have to take care of Aaliyah Boston, who averages a double-double for the Gamecocks. 16.4 points a game, 12.2 rebounds. You got to find a way to neutralize her. And then who knows what you can do with the other four players on the court to help pull off the victory. So Carolina's got to continue to be locked in defense. One of the nice things that helps with that is the third of the four corners preview is that South Carolina's offense has been spinning their tires a little bit lately. Just 49 points last time out. They shot under 40% from the field as a team in four of their last five games. And now they're going up against this Tar Heels defense that just embarrassed Arizona, if we're being honest. 
that to me is a great sign for the Tar Heels to be able to come out, do what they do best, defense, and that go up against an offense that has been struggling, particularly if the Tar Heels can indeed neutralize Boston. It's going to put them in a great position to uh, to make some magic happen. You just got to kind of hang around, hang around, hang around, be there late in the fourth quarter, and then do it. Now, here's the fourth of the four corners preview and part of the problem. South Carolina also wins with their defense, which is better than the Tar Heels defense. Listen to some of these numbers. South Carolina has the top field goal percentage defense in the nation at 32.2%. Yeah, they're holding teams to 32.2% on the season. That's insane. And the third best scoring off <clears throat> third best scoring defense in the nation, allowing just 50.3 points per game. That's like Virginia level or better. And when you think about like how how strong the men's team is at rebounding, you know perennially, that's what we're talking about here with South Carolina on the rebounding side. They are second in the country in rebounding average and first in rebounding margin. So Carolina has to hit the boards, has to take care of getting those, maybe even try to get some offensive rebounds. But it's going to be a stingy, stingy South Carolina team against an also stingy but not quite as quite as uh, locked in yet. And part of that is the age uh, <clears throat> as the Tar Heels. So really, this could be one of those first team to 50 wins type of games. So uh, Carolina's defense against that South Carolina struggling offense could be a huge, huge opportunity for Carolina there. And then they got to see if they can find some holes, um, some chinks in the armor, go in and uh, get some buckets against that crazy good defense for South Carolina. So Coach Banghart's team took this big step forward earlier in the week in winning at Arizona. True road game uh, there. And so they need, that. that's a great win. But what Coach Banghart's team needs to keep this ascension going is a huge, huge program victory. No better way to do that than knock off the number one team in the land in the Gamecocks. So let's see that happen. Um, that's, that's going to help them ultimately arrive, right? They, they've, they've been driving this plane up, 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 and now they have to announce this to the nation, like we're here, we're doing it, move over UConn, move over Baylor, everyone else, move over South Carolina, the Tar Heels are here and they are staying. So my prediction then is that this great Carolina defense holds down South Carolina's struggling offense and does just enough against that stout, stellar South Carolina defense to pull off this huge upset, the biggest upset of the tournament, and send the Tar Heels on to the Elite Eight. If you're looking at the line, South Carolina is favored by nine and a half. So I think at the very least, the Tar Heels are playing well enough where they're going to cover even if they don't win. I'm saying they're going to pull the upset, though. The over-under is set at 119.5. Honestly, I'd take the under if it was 100. Because <laughs> literally, I think it's going to be first team to 50 wins. So I'm definitely taking the under in this game. Well, if you've been watching the tournament, you've seen a lot of... Uh, questionable calls by referees, not just in Carolina's game against Baylor, all over. In the in uh, the Gonzaga game tonight, an Arkansas player stepped like whole shoe over the end line, not called. So I found myself itching a lot to say to referees, why did you make that call? Would you explain to me the thought process here so I can at least understand where you're coming from? But we can't do that. Why? 
because the NCAA won't make the refs available to anyone to interview. So, I've got a little remedy. What is it? Well, you're going to have to wait just a second on that one because first I want to tell you about Athletic Greens. Our next partner has a product I know a lot of people who use literally every day. I look forward to trying Athletic Greens myself because I want more energy and I hate trying to remember to take pills or vitamins on a daily basis. What is Athletic Greens? Well, with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogreens to help you start your day the right way. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health the right way. Your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, and more. One of the things I love is that Athletic Greens is lifestyle-friendly, whatever your diet. Keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It works with all of them. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin every day. I do. And it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients like AG1 that your body will actually absorb. The best news is, if you want to do this, it'll cost you less than $3 a day. That's less than your coffee habit. So, why not give it a go? You're investing in your health, so do it. Right now, it's time to reclaim that health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially here in cold and flu season. It's just one scoop of this in water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and all that kind of stuff to look out for your health. And in fact, to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free, free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com college. Again, that's athleticgreens.com college to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I also want to tell you about Bet Online because it is that time of year again where college basketball's biggest tournament, biggest stage is happening right now. So from all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. For example, the Tar Heels have 25 to 1 odds to win the national championship. At this point, why not take a dip on that? Bet Online remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Well, this last segment we're getting into today, and I'm just going to say this. I think for me it's all about, I need more transparency from referees. Plain and simple. We need better officiating. We need it to be done well. So, I've been thinking a lot this week about the Brady Manic ejection. And here's what I'll say as I continue to think about it. The current model or the current rules, or something in that vein, is not working. And with that in mind, and because of it, the NCAA has to make changes. The problem is that the NCAA is always so reticent to make any changes ever, unless they're forced to, a la NIL. They were pulled dragging and screaming into that, because states all over the country started to sign into law their own bills to be able to do this. 
And so, friends, I give to you my Friday frustration. I need transparency from referees. The aim of referees should be to facilitate the game in a manner in which you don't even realize they're there. Uh, let me give you this example. In aside to what I get to do with hosting this podcast and writing for Sports Illustrated, I'm also, <coughs> excuse me, a worship minister. And so I, I lead songs at church from stage. And my job is not to get up there and, and be a rock star or, you know, do all that stuff. My job is to facilitate the worship service in such a way that I fade into the background and it is this meeting between the people of God and God. And so I have done my best job as a leader of worship when people don't even know that I've, I'm there because I faded into the background. And it's the exact same thing with umpires or referees or whatever it is. The only time you realize they're there is when they get in the way because they're not doing their job as well as they ought. If they're facilitating the game in a way that helps it move along swimmingly and does well, you don't even know they're there. And so that is what I need to see people do. Uh, uh, we finish a basketball game and it's like, I don't even know who the refs were because they did such a good job facilitating the game and I didn't see all this egregious stuff or sitting at the monitor for hours. So, point two, if we're going to facilitate the game well, then I think the time has come where we need to have more transparency from the referees. How do we do that? We need them at press conferences after the game. Now, I know this exposes them to all sorts of scrutiny and all sorts of things of second-guessing every single call. But you know what? Everyone else involved on the, in the game on the floor has to go do that. All the players have to go sit up there, win or lose. I <clears throat> Saturday after Baylor loss, I'm, I'm sitting in the media room and I look through the, the curtains and I see Scott Drew just standing there like this. Just alone in his thoughts. Trying to process what's just happened. And now he's about to have to walk up in front of us and let us all second guess everything. Why did this happen? How did this happen? Why couldn't you pull it off in overtime? Whatever it is. But so why don't the refs have to do that? Why don't they have to go through that same level of questioning as everyone else involved in the game? That makes zero sense to me. And it, I, I'm not even saying that I want it to always be like bagging on them. Like I just would like to hear like, what is your thought process as what are you looking for? And I know we've got guys like Gene Steratore and all this explaining it on the TV, but I, I want to hear it from the guys who were on the court and saw it. Because I think that could be a win. Like, sometimes we're probably going to hear what they're saying, and it'll give us fresh eyes on it, and maybe be a helpful thing. Sometimes we're going to still disagree vehemently with what they did, but sometimes it's going to be a win. And so, if Scott Drew has to face the media after the most epic almost comeback in NCAA tournament history, the guys that threw Brady Manic out of the game that caused that epic almost comeback to happen should have to sit up there and answer my question too. Why did you throw Brady Manic out of this game for something that I've not seen all season long? You gotta give me a better explanation. Now, Here's one of the reasons I often hear people say like they shouldn't be forced to do that is because they're part-time. You might or might not know this, NCAA referees, that is not their full-time job. It is a part-time job for them. They have other jobs that they do when they're not refing. 
So pay them the money and make them full-time referees. Give them the training they need. Now, I've heard ACC Director of Officials Brian Kirsty talk about this, and he's he's got all these reasons why they can't and shouldn't and all the extra money and all that stuff. There is so much insane amount of money tied up in this whole thing, and everyone's getting paid. Finally, now the athletes are starting to. Why can't we also take care of the referees? If, if we want a better product, if you want the NCAA tournament to not be embarrassing at times, then you invest the money to pay these referees the full-time money that they ought to be paid so that we can get a better on-court product. So it's to the point now where I wish they did a better job, but in some ways I don't think it's their fault because they're not always getting the training they need and it's not a full-time gig. NCAA, you need to pull the trigger and hire in, uh, your officials in a full-time capacity. I know it's more money, I know it's more training, but you got a lot of money and you got a lot of time to train people. You need to make this happen. If you wanna have the best, you gotta pay the best. That's simple, that's business, that's capitalism in America. Make it happen, NCAA, you gotta do better. Or you know what, it's just going to continue to erode your, your inability as an entity is already on thin ice because of everything you do <laughs> or don't do. <laughs> Pay these people their money and let's have better refs. Okay, <sighs> I'm off my Friday frustration. I've given you my solution. We need full-time referees. Let's make it happen. Now I can look forward to the games tonight and be happy because that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Please go subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're there, would you take a minute to rate and review? Five stars, please, would be awesome. And talk about why you love this show. Maybe ask a question that I can uh, grab and, and bring on an answer on the show. Love you to follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Heels. Follow me on Twitter at Isaac Shade. You can see it right there below me. <laughs> and if you like what you're hearing, man, come on, bring a friend. It's so fun to get to have these conversations together to talk about this this school and these sports that we love and uh, that that bring us together in community. And so why not continue to build this community? Love it. So coming up on Monday show, we're going to have a wrap up of these basketball games, hopefully four basketball games from the weekend, two from the ladies, two from the men. And that would mean they're both going on to the final four. How rad would that be? Regardless of what happens in these games, we're going to have wrap-ups on Monday. Plus, Monday is pro day for the football team. I was sent today the whole schedule for it, all the participants, and so I'll have all that to share with you on Monday. Thanks so much for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen every single day. And now, thinking of Pro Day, I want to ask you to make Locked on NFL Draft your second listen. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis college football prospects and NFL front offices. Just like all the other shows on the Locked on Network, it's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for spending part of your Friday hanging out with me, talking Carolina sports, getting ready for the, this doubleheader on Friday night. It's going to be awesome. Go Heels. I hope you have a great rest of the weekend. Can't wait to talk to you. I'll pop out some Locked On Nows after the game, just some quick recaps, and then we'll have the full recap on Monday's show. Hopefully two wins tonight. And remember, regardless of the outcome, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel.
Until next time, peace. <laughs>